as a prelude to really uh, the Alpha course that we're running in September, we're doing a series on uh, inviting people, God's passion for people, why do we do an Alpha course? And Andrew's asked me to talk on God's passion for people. So I, he gave me the, the notes and I kept the title. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to be here today, so it threw me a bit when he came in. That isn't true, I've also kept the conclusion. So, when Nigel and I had our first child, it was great, wonderful. We had four arms and one child, so we were then able to kind of corral said child, usually quite well. Then Lauren, child two, came along when Ashley was two and a half. So, the first time we went out with two and a half year old Pram and four arms, it all went wrong. We completely lost Ashley. So I, I remember, of course, I was in charge of Lauren, who didn't get lost, just saying. So we were walking around, I think it was somewhere like home base or Texas home care, as it was in the old days, because we're quite old, and she vanished. She just disappeared. She's kind of this height, knees, counter, exciting stuff, she's gone. I still have my child, of course. Nigel lost his. So panic, panic. Where, where is this daughter? Where is this child? We found her. Oh, thank God. You might think we learnt our lesson. However, a week or so later, we're in Tesco's. And uh, I have my child, the pram. Nigel has his child. I may be remembering this slightly differently to how he remembers it, but we lose Ashley again. Little curly-haired dot had just completely disappeared. Now, she was gone for quite some time. I was just about... I just had a baby also. I was just about to go into full panic mode when I looked to the front of the shop and somebody was walking in from the car park holding Ashley in their arms. I was very grateful to them. I didn't know whether to strangle them or hug them because in your mind, all you can hear is the media saying every small child who goes missing, something awful happens to them. It was a horrible time. Um, we probably lost them a few times since then. In fact, we lost Sam on a beach, I seem to recall. Well, he lost himself. I blame him for that one. But as a parent, imagine that horror. As an anything, as a, as, a, as a good friend, just losing something that you treasure so much, not being able to find that person. And if we lost Ashley, we wouldn't go... Oh, thank God we've got Lauren. You know, we've got a replacement. We didn't really need that one anyway. Or, more to the point, let's just go home and make another one. <laughs> let's, go make, let's go make some more. We have the ability. No, we wouldn't. We would move heaven and earth to find that child. We'd go, we'd go there and beyond and back again. Um, and I just that makes me think then, imagine how God must feel when one of his children doesn't know him, doesn't know the depth and the width and the height of the love that he has for them, who isn't walking in that beautiful relationship. His love is so much deeper and stronger than ours, and we can only really imagine that love. In fact, I don't believe that we can, because of the love that we feel for each other. Magnify that a million billion times, and that's how God feels about us. God's heart breaks over every single person who doesn't know the depth and the width and the height of his love, and also what he did to bring them back into that relationship with him. I believe and I know in my heart that God's desire is that every single person would know him, personally and intimately. Every person has infinite value to God. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2 on the magic screen. Do you like my hearts? 
It's a bit girly again, because I didn't think Andrew was going to be here. There'd have been tractors or sheep if he'd been here. So, hmm? he had so many sheep metaphors in his talk. He was a sheep farmer, for any of you who didn't know that. So, they're all gone. So, well, I couldn't tell his stories. When I was a sheep farmer, yeah. So, this is what he says in 1 Timothy. Here are my directions. I've got a different one here, different um, translation. Pray much for others. Plead for God's mercy upon them. Give thanks for all he is going to do for them. God longs for every person to embrace his life and return to full knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the truth isn't just like intellectual assent. You know, he wants us to explore and experience the life that he gives as part of our relationship with him. I love to see you nodding and smiling away. It's making me feel all warm. He wants us to experience him as a father, as a friend, as a saviour, as a lover, and as a brother. When I was preparing this talk on Friday at work, you've all heard my testimony about how God gave me a job that I could do my other job at at the same time and get paid twice. Yes. So I work on, with my boss's full permission. I'm preparing my talk on Friday. In the office that I work in, there's an office next door that looks after the needs of people with mental health issues. So I'm in reception doing this really important job for God, you know, getting in there and I've prayed and I've got my concordance thing and I've got my, my Bible gateway and I'm doing this really important job and there's a bang on the door and I let the person in and it's one of the residents who live in the home. Uh, there are sheltered housing for the people with mental health issues. And uh, she comes in and they've got quite, um, they're not probably very socially aware, that's what I'd say. They've got some interesting habits and ways of um, reacting and in, interpersonal skills are probably not right up there. So, but I love them. And so this one came in and she said, can I see somebody from the office? And I, I knew they weren't there and I said, I'm really sorry, um, they're not there. She said, well, I'll wait. So I said, um, okay, that's great. There may be some time. She said, oh, that's okay. So she sat down opposite me in reception, and I carry on doing my really important job for God. And I'm typing, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking. She starts whittering at me, bless her. She was like a buzzing fly. Question, comment. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then when I got to the part where it said, God's heart breaks over each person who does not know the depth, width, height of his love for them. Oh, I get it. I was so busy doing the busy, 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 important work for God that one of his children is sitting here, probably quite in need. It's a very hot day. And um, I was too busy to be human. I was too busy writing about this God who loves this person so much that I ignore the person. So I offer her a coffee. There we go. That was really good. So yes, she'd love a coffee. She's very thirsty. She's been trying to get back home for some time. Lost the keys to her flat. Can't get in. It's 30 degrees. So she has a coffee. I think, ah, done that. <laughs> Carry on. God, 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 God. Nip, nip, nip. God, God, nip. So I then think, I must be doing something wrong here. So... Would you like a glass of water? Yes, I'd like a glass of water. So as I walked out to the kitchen, I thought, I wonder if God wants to say anything to her. So, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to say to this lady? And I just felt his 
first of all, his... Oh, there you are, Ellie. <laughs> well done. And the second was, I just love her. Just, she's valuable to me. Just make her feel loved. So that was easy enough. So I gave her a water, put my work aside, and just started to chat to her. You know, how are you? She, she, we, had a, we had some... In, anyway, two and a half hours later... Yeah, she's, she's, she goes, the, the people got back in the office. And I just thought, I could have missed that. You know, I'd love to say I sat and led her to the Lord. I didn't. All I did was show her she's valuable to someone. And at the end, she said to me, you're really good at your job. <laughs> and do you know what? I thought that was God saying to me, you did a good job. You know, she had no idea what she was saying because I'm actually not very good at my job. <laughs> Just I had two computers and a lot of books, and she obviously thought that's very impressive. <laughs> so I love the stories that Jesus tells about these lost sheep. He calls them lost coin, lost son. And we're going to have a look at the one uh, story of the lost coin, parable of the lost coin. So there was once a woman who had 10 valuable silver coins. She lost one. She swept the entire house, diligently searching. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors together, and they had a party Say, come and celebrate. I'd lost a precious silver coin and I found it. And it says here, that's the way God responds. Every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him, he says to all his angels, let's have a party. A joyous celebration. For one who was lost, I found. Isn't that a great picture? You know, God and the angels have a party every time someone is found. I think that's awesome. Now, these are known as redemption stories. And redemption means to purchase or buy back. The thing that strikes me is to be lost, you've got to belong to somebody in the first place. If you don't belong, you can't be lost. I think that's fab. The coin belonged to the woman. In the other stories, the sheep belonged to the farmer. In the other story, the son belonged to the father. Humanity belongs to God. I, I just believe that with all my heart. He created us all, everyone, them all, us all, in his image. And he wants us all to come back into right relationship. He wants them all to come back into right relationship if we have to separate in some way those who have realized and embraced and those who haven't yet. He hunted us down. He sought us out. He revealed himself to us. And as we saw in 1 Timothy, that is his heart for everyone. I've asked a couple of people to just come up and tell us their stories of how God found them. Probably five minutes each, guys, looking at the time. Um, so Helga, would you like to come first? Shall she use the lollipop? Yeah. <laughs> You've to that. So yeah, um, I have to go a little bit back in my childhood. So um, I actually was an unwanted child. Um, I have two older siblings, um, and they have been very loved by my parents. And um, when I grew up, um, it was a very difficult time because I could feel, I mean, I was rejected from the beginning, and I, I, I could literally feel it. I mean, my brother and older sister, they got other things, also material things, not just um, that they you know, they showed them love, but I, I just didn't, I, I just from a very a little, from a very um, small age on, I just felt I, I, there was no love really for, towards me. And I always felt quite lost. And um, actually over time, because um, obviously then over time I wasn't, I wasn't treated well really. I, I got always shouted at and I could never do anything right. 
But then when I was very little already, um, I was only about five years old, um, one of my cousins said to me, do you know actually that we have got an earthly and a heavenly father? And it always stuck in my mind. And every time when I had a difficult time when I was little, maybe about 10, 11, I always used to pray to God. I wasn't brought up as a Bible believer or went to Sunday school, anything like that. But then I just always knew there is a God in heaven who looks down on me. And then when it got really, really difficult in my teenage times, um, I just I, I didn't manage school really very well at all. And um, because of the treatment from back home from my parents, it was really difficult. I am... Um, I just literally um, got really scared of my parents because they were always shouting at me and I was always wrong and, and there was no love. But then um, it was really interesting because when I was about 14, um, I heard a little, because I went to a so Catholic kind of church, and then I heard a story about, um, you know, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit and, um, you know, got the gifts and they were used by God and they healed people. I went to one of these priests and I said, um, how can I receive the Holy Spirit or how, how can this happen to me? And he actually said, oh, well, it doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's not happening because they're obviously in, in this church that didn't believe in it. But then um, not sh only about about three years later or four years later, Actually, God just, because I, I, I couldn't finish school because of what happened back home and I had no friends and I was very isolated. Um, but then God led me to one of my other cousins and um, and he actually talked about God and Jesus and he said, God can help you and um, and, and, and God literally can, um, you know, he, he loves you. And then I somehow believed it because somehow... I had nothing to lose. I mean, I, I, I had not. I didn't feel I had a home properly. I, I didn't feel any love, and I thought, well, if God can help me, I, I want to follow Him. And then He invited me to um, to one um, kind of a Sunday meeting, and somebody was talking about God and how God um, wants to, um, you know, has uh, wants you to be His child and and wants to be. Um, you know, his, your father, and I really, really believed it, and I, I didn't know much about the Bible at all, I never had a Bible, but then it was like literally God put faith in my heart, and I just knew I wanted to get saved, I wanted to follow God, and then actually only just like um, maybe a month later, um, I said to my cousin, I want to get saved, and I want to be baptized, and actually then, um, yeah, I mean, I, as you can imagine, my parents, um, which never really wanted me, they didn't even allow me to get baptized and get, um, you know, they didn't want me to become a proper Christian. And actually, they forbid me to get baptized. And then they said, um, no, you can't get baptized. You can't get to this people anymore and things like that. And they didn't allow me to leave the house. But then they all started praying and um, and God literally showed me. He said, you have to go there. You have to get baptized. Um, and And... I just got up from home and for some uh, miracle, I managed to get out of the house. I, I, I sneaked out and then I was stopped again. My brother stood in front of my car saying, you, you can't go anywhere. And I said, well, I go anyway. <laughs> and then um, actually, yeah, and then I managed to get there and I, I got, got baptized and received the Holy Spirit immediately. And then um, actually then <laughs> three days later, I am um, my... Um, because I worked for my cousin's dad, um, 
he actually said, well, um, I heard you became a Christian. And he said, I'm not happy with it. He said, either you lose your job or um, you have to deny Jesus or you lose your job, you lose everything. I said, no, no, I can't do this. And actually it was incredible because instead of losing my job, I got nearly a thousand euro um, pay rise instead. <laughs> and I could move out. So I, I, well, God showed me I have to move out as soon as I got saved because otherwise um, I, I can't continue being a Christian because that stopped me from um, being a Christian. So yeah, so I, you literally, when I look back, I can see how God always just literally was seeking me and calling me. So. That's awesome. Thanks, Helga. Karen. Um, it's always a bit scary. Well, I say always, I don't really normally do this. Um, but So I came from uh, in a very caring and just quite ordinary family, um, but they didn't really know God at all. Um, and so my first recollection was as a... Uh, sort of young primary school age child. Um, we sat down as a family and used to watch um, sort of television films together. We watched a film that was the Jesus film. And I just remember sitting on the sofa uh, next to my nan and just completely sobbing my heart out and her turning to me and saying, don't worry, don't upset yourself. It's just a story. You know, remember what we watched last week? That was just a story. This is just a story. And just um, just looking at her, just but just knowing actually that that wasn't the right answer, that, that this was absolutely true. Um, and I asked my mum if I could go to a Sunday school. We had family friends that went to a Sunday school, and um, initially she said no, uh, that it would sort of disrupt the family Sunday. And so I just badgered and badgered, and eventually um, I went with some friends, and so did my sister. Um, and it was. The church's tradition that at the age of 11, all children were put forward for confirmation classes. So I was sent for the confirmation classes, and it was there really that, that the pieces of the story that I'd heard started to fit together, and I really realised um, what Jesus had done for us. And I just vividly remember drawing this picture of uh, two cliffs um, with, with me on one side and God on the other, and Jesus in the cross bridging the gap. Um, and just that, that image of, of Jesus making the way to, to, to God. Um, so then, uh, sort of as a teenager, I was sort of went to youth groups and, and had some some more sort of teaching and things. But when I went to be a nurse at 18, uh, that was quite a shock, arriving in inner London. Um, I think I'd seen videos of Nerys Hughes on a bicycle in Wales and decided I wanted to be a nurse. And then actually was not quite like that when I got there. Um, ended up living in Hackney. Um, it was the time where there were riots on. Um, and the, uh, the police were taken to Bart's Hospital. The rioters were brought to Hackney Hospital, which was where I lived. Um, and life, life was very different from, from my family home. Um, and I had some time, I had quite a few years, I had some time where I thought, if this is, if this is what God allows, then this is not something I want something to do with. Um, but actually, when I look back, I just God was just so faithful over that time um, that even when I was turning my back, he was really there for me and seeking me. Um, so when I was 19, I witnessed a suicide, but somehow just knew that the person to go to was a girl who I didn't know, but who lived opposite me, 
in the nurses' home, but I knew she was a Christian and somehow sensed that that was supposed to go. And she gave me comfort and prayed for me and, and supported me through that. And the only thing I used to pray about was big decisions. I always used to go and find a church and I would pray about big decisions. There was nothing, no other real sort of connection with God over those years. Um, and then some years later, um, I, so I finished my nurse training and then a year later I came to Oxford. Um, and then when I came to Oxford, I started attending a church and sort of grew more, grew more steadily. Gradually, slowly, slowly turned back to God and, and grew more steadily in, in, in my trust and faith in him. Um, and then some years later, I went for a, a, an interview um, as a district nurse in Chipping Norton. And I was just sat in the interview and the interviewer said to me, she said, she looked at my CV and I'd always had this bit of a hodgepodge of nursing career. I thought, and she said, it's really interesting, you look at your CV and she said, you can see that from the moment you decided to become a nurse, your career has really, you've really sought out the exact ideal experience you need to get you to where you are today. And I was glad that it wasn't a question because actually I was just like, oh my goodness. And I just knew that I'd only ever sought a quiet place in a small church wherever I was and just prayed that God would show me the next step. Um, so... So that's, so I first came to Oxford 30 years ago, I just realised yesterday. Um, so that's, you know, that God has brought me a long way with him since then. And in some ways I'd like to say that I've walked steadily and faithfully with him all that time. Um, but I think um, we had somebody come to talk to us a few weeks ago and he was talking about how our, all of our small stories really connects with God's big story. And how does that happen? And for me, I think my little story connects in that, it's God's redemption. It's not just that first redemption he seeks us and finds us, but then it's his faithfulness at just sticking with us, even when we don't stick with him. Um, and his redemption that's ongoing and his healing that's ongoing. Um, and there was a verse a few years ago that was just became really important to me when life was quite tough. Um, and uh, I felt God had given me a verse from Isaiah, which was, um, see, I'm doing a new thing. Um, don't you see it? And um, I make um, st streams in the wasteland in a new way. In, in, I make a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And I didn't quite believe that at that time. I knew God was in it. I was knew God was in my situation and, and I guess my bedrock, really. Um, but couldn't quite see in the circumstances how that was going to pan out. Um, and I went to visit a church and just sat quietly in a service being anonymous and a lady turned around in front of me who I hadn't met and she said, um, she said, I don't normally do this, she said, and I know this sounds really mad, she said, but I just really feel that God wants to say to you today, he's going to make a way where there doesn't seem a way. Um, and she was quite apologetic about it. And so, and that just sort of blew my mind really that actually, that, that for I guess my little story is just, is that there's that original redemption, that's original God seeking us, but then he keeps seeking and keeps seeking, and that there's no situation that's beyond his hand, beyond his hope. Yeah. <sighs> that's such a warm feeling. I can't have these two near each other. Carol? Five minutes? Keep it short. I'll just keep, you know. Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, well, I'm standing here by the grace of God and by his mercy. 
because it's only the grace of God and his mercy and love that draws us to him. Mm. And um, I'm a grandmother now, so I've got a long story, but the beginning of the story is that um, I was born into a really lovely family, very loving. We were uh, practicing Roman Catholics, and uh, life was just amazing. You know, I just loved life, loved people, loved every culture, every nation, and God brought them to me then, you know, all boyfriends, girlfriends, they were from all over the world. Um, anyhow, uh, my life, I think God knew that I needed to settle down, and he tried, I loved him, I used to go into the church when it, it wasn't a mass and sit quietly and talk to him, and I knew God, but I didn't have that personal relationship with him, which is, he so desperately wants with all of us. So, uh, Anyhow, uh, I joined, uh, my first job was travel, then I joined the airline, South African Airline uh, Airways, and um, became a hostess, traveled the world, met wonderful people, and uh, it was at that time that I was introduced to my husband, uh, of blessed memory, who my sister and brother-in-law introduced me to. And he was quite a bit older than me, so um, he traveled, and I just loved life, and we had a very good marriage, um, the first two years, and uh, I felt that God must have said, right, now it's time. Uh, at the time, we were, we were practicing Catholics. Um, anyway, uh, I fell pregnant uh, after the third year of my marriage, and that was my challenge. Um, loved my husband, loved my child, uh, but unfortunately, um, we had a situation in our marriage and my husband was unfaithful to me and it just broke my heart. Uh, I went uh, to the Lord and prayed and uh, asked the priest to pray for me and he said I'll pray for you my child but I didn't really understand but anyhow God was faithful in that because um, my marriage was restored and we were at the time living in Durban and we went back to the Cape where my family were Cape Town beautiful city and uh, things were going along fine. Um, life seemed good. And I'd give, forgiven my husband, but I think in my head, but not in my heart. I felt kind of self-righteous. But you see, God didn't want that. So another lesson came along. And when my daughter was about seven, my husband, again, was unfaithful to me. And I thought, Lord, I can't do this. I can't take this. This is just too much. And I felt and heard in my mind the Lord saying, yes, you have to forgive him 70 times seven. And I said, I can't, Lord. And I spoke to my sister. My older sister was going to a, a church. She'd moved from the Catholic Church to the Church of England in South Africa, which is a very good Bible-based church, but not a spiritful. And she said, come along. There's somebody coming to speak from overseas, a, a lady um, it happened to be Billy Graham's daughter, uh, Anne Graham Lotz, which some of you might have heard of. And she said, you must come, you must come. And I said, I, I, I don't want to come. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my husband. I can't handle this. And she said, you must come. Just feel you must come. And it was there that while I was sitting next to her, there was an altar call. And uh, I don't know what happened, but my legs just took me to the front. And I was down on my knees and just asked Jesus into my heart. And 
that was the turning point. And my life has been on uh, such an exciting journey. Saw my husband saved. We had a wonderful marriage for 35 years. My daughter, son-in-law, all walking with the Lord. And God is doing more and more. So, you know, he's faithful and he will keep on pursuing you. So don't ever give up and uh, always believe God loves you. It's a privilege to hear all your stories. Um, it's just, uh, God is beautiful. So I emailed 40, 43 people um, to see who would like to do a story. And these were the brave ones, so well done. Oh, I'm all overcome. Where am I? Yes. So we heard from those stories that God is constantly watching and he's constantly counting. Why does he do that? He does that because he loves each person, each of you, each of me, each of us, each of everyone. And his desire is that we would be close to him. He wants us to have an intimate, dynamic and relationship where we walk in him. He's in him. We're, he's in us, we're in him, and we're all in the Father. It doesn't get much closer than that. And in that, he then provides all we need, as you heard from these guys. So in this church, we do. We count the number of people who come to meetings. We count the number of people who get saved, whether it's on the streets, whether it's in church. Why do we do that? Because God's counting. God's looking. God's seeking. And we want to be doing the same thing. We count people because people count. John 3.16, which I'm sure we all know, God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son, so everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn its people, he sent him to save them. And although it all went wrong in the garden, and if we were in the garden, we, I guess we'd have all done the same thing, God always had a plan to redeem humanity. One of the things I love about him is that he knows our weaknesses. He loves us so richly that he never blames us for the things that we do wrong, for the mistakes that we make. He is totally on our side, and he's our greatest cheerleader. And I heard it said like this, life is like a football match, and we're all on the pitch, and we're running around, and sometimes we're winning, and sometimes we feel like we're losing, sometimes we get injured, sometimes we feel we need to be carried off. But round the stands... The angels are cheering us on. And on the sidelines, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shouting advice and encouragement. You know, I love that story. I love these pictures of Gareth Southgate. Um, those of you who are not following the football, this is the England manager. And this is a Columbia player who missed a vital penalty last Tuesday. Now, Gareth Southgate was on the opposing side, as it were, but the thing is that I love about this is he went and consoled this player who basically got them knocked out of the World Cup because he knew what it felt like to be in that position. Because in 1996, in the Euros, exactly the same thing had happened to Gareth Southgate. I just think, and actually the Colombians were little monkeys in that game if you watched it. They were niggling, they were wrestling, they were shoving. But Gareth Southgate, I believe he has God's heart. He's got the heart of a father. That's one of the things that's been coming out of the camp, is how he's drawing everyone together, how he's, you know, just encouraging and motivating. I absolutely love that. So, that is God's heart, absolutely. God is the greatest expression of love that we could ever know, and he wants everyone to know that same love. So, Jesus came, 
He came, we can think of him as God's son, but also he's obviously God himself. God was in Christ on the cross, redeeming us to himself, as it says in 2 Corinthians. And it says at the end of that, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave it to us. So what are we going to do with that message? We can join in with God in reaching the lost ones. He passionately loves each person that we've talked about. He's created them. He calls us to have the same concern for people that he does. He's constantly seeking and counting those who don't know him. He's constantly inviting people to come home. And he invites us to join him in this, the most important job we could ever have. One of the ways that this church does that is by healing on the streets. Every month we go out on the streets of Oxford and offer people the opportunity to experience that life-giving love as we lay hands on them. At the Headington Fund Day, some people from this church and from other churches prayed for people. Um, at the Headington Fund Day, we haven't really got time, I was going to ask for a testimony, but let me just read this. This is the testimony from last month in Oxford. We had a great session on Saturday with the highlight of one lady giving her life to Jesus. While that happened, others were praying for her son-in-law, a blessing of God of the Father's love. We prayed for about 30 people. That's 30 people that if we hadn't gone out on that day may not have felt that touch of God in that particular way at that particular time. And it says, we just offer what we can and Jesus does the rest. Isn't that amazing? I said to Nigel, my next talk is going to be try your best, let God pick up the slack and we'll all tumble into heaven at the end. Which I thought, I thought that's all I need to say. So Matthew 9.37, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And we do that as a leadership team. We pray that people would really get a heart. What's on God's heart for people? What does God want me to do? What does, who does God want me to speak to? So in September, we're running an alpha course at the Tap Social. We had a great response to our taster evening. It was a great night. We watched a DVD and we shared a fantastic meal together. We prayed at the end for people who, God, who's on your heart for us to invite? Don't let this be a kind of just thing that we do by rote. God, who do you, where have you been working? Whose hearts are you working in? Who, who should we invite? I just encourage you to carry on doing that over the next couple of months. Just ask God who. He gave me a couple of unlikely people, but, you know, he knows better than I do. And speaking of unlikely people, um, when I was born again, I'm going to pray see this, uh, I was very gobby as you can imagine, about it, and upset many members of my family and people I worked with, including my mum, who was very anti-God. Because of some pain in her past and because of a, a difficult childhood, she had turned against God in, in many ways. But she looked after our eldest daughter, the one we didn't lose eventually, um, while I went back to work. And so I was gloriously saved, you know, Holy Spirit all over the place. And so Ashley... Uh, began to, when she was five, actually she was four, she was born again, speaking in tongues, was with my mum, and um, said to her, Nanny, when you die, are you going to heaven or hell? Because that was, that unfortunately was the church I was born again into. It was, yes. So um, my mum got very upset, can't think why. Overreaction, I thought. Um, so she actually said to me, I can no longer be part, you can no longer be part of the family. We, we had a complicated relationship anyway. She said, I can't keep having Ashley if she's going to speak to me and ask me things like that. So it got very rocky. I needed her. I worked two days a week and I needed her. That wasn't my main motivation, but it was up there. So I wrote her a letter in which I apologized for any offense, but I was very clear. 
I said, this is, you know, my faith is real. Jesus is real. I need to be allowed to express myself. I'm sorry I've offended you. Ashley needs to be able to express herself. Thankfully, my mum decided that she would uh, continue looking after Ashley, but it was very rocky for many years. I had no idea God was working in her. I just assumed that's it. I couldn't ever say anything more because every time the subject came up in the early days, she would just either leave the house, clam up, glare at me or whatever. So um, uh, I went to a different church. I joined a vineyard church. We had an alpha in my house and uh, we had it on a Thursday morning. And I was taking my mum somewhere and happened to mention, this was about five years later, oh, we've got this thing called alpha. And she said, can I come? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. My, if I'm honest, my first thought was, oh my God, how embarrassing. My mum's coming to me out for at my house. My second thought was, what's God going to do? He's just going to embarrass us all. It's just going to be horrendous. She's going to end up arguing with my pastor. It's just going to be awful. Anyway, it wasn't. She came along and my friend led her to the Lord on an alpha. I had no clue what was going on in her heart. I had no idea that God had been looking for her. He'd been drawing her. He'd been seeking her. Because we didn't ever talk after those initial early difficult days about it. But when I think, she saw the fruit in our lives. She saw the joy. She saw the uh, new unity that we had as a family. She saw the love that was flourishing between us. And she knew where we'd been. She knew what I was like as a child. So she couldn't deny that this was Jesus. And so he'd been drawing her. Now, just be encouraged. It can be hard to invite people to stuff. I know. I'm a reasonable extrovert, but I still cringe at the thought of inviting people to church stuff. don't know why I need prayer for that, probably. But I didn't even invite my mum. I just managed to go, Alpha, Thursday. Oh, can I come? So even if you just throw it into a conversation with somebody and give God the opportunity to invite them, let them invite themselves. You just don't know with people what he's doing in their hearts. Uh, this is the conclusion that Andrew wrote. <laughs> Actually, my bit first. So our aim as a church is to see as many, which he will agree with, as many people possible come to know Jesus. And we want to offer, uh, facilitate the opportunity by offering people opportunities to encounter him. Hots and Alpha are great ways to do this. If you, don't, if you plan on coming to the Alpha and you don't have anyone to invite, and that's okay, if God hasn't told you anyone, I mean, you could try anyway, but it might not work, come along. We need people on the team. We need table hosts and welcome. and We want to do it with excellence. So come along, get involved, and have some fun. So, conclusion. God is like a parent watching at the window, waiting for his children to come home. His love for his children doesn't lessen because they seem to be going in the wrong direction. He's passionate about the people he's created. And he welcomes them back with hugs and kisses and has a party with the angels, like in the prodigal son, or the prodigal father, as it should be renamed. He welcomed him back. He didn't even, he didn't even let him repent, which I find fantastic. He comes back trying to say sorry, and he's like, whoop. Hug, kiss, party, kill the lamb, we're off. Fatted calf, we're off. So God, he welcomes people back home. That's what I believe. They were originally home, all went wrong. He welcomes them back home. And I want to be in a church that has a reputation in heaven as a church that's always causing parties to go on. So it'd be like, oh, overseer out again, get the wine, get the nibbles, put the music on, we're going to have a party. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? If every time we go out on the streets, every time we meet here, every time we're with our friends, family, workplaces, they're gearing up for a party in heaven. That would be awesome. The end. Oops. Thank you very much. Now, um, we're out of time. So why don't you stand? I'll just pray for you, all of us. <clears throat> and then those of you who have children can go and pick them up. Father, we thank you that you're a God who never sleeps. Uh, that your eyes are watching over us. That your heart is for us. And uh, that you have a passion towards your people that we sometimes just get the briefest glimpse of. And Lord, we ask that you'd release that passion into our hearts. Both to know how much you love us and how much we're accepted and how you've changed our identity, but also your attitude towards those people around us, maybe people who really wind us up, people that we don't click with, people we don't like, people who disagree with us. Lord, we ask that you'd show us how you see them and that you give us your heart for each person that you've created. And we ask that that harvest would come in. We thank you for the promises in Scripture. We thank you for the promises through the prophecies that you've given us as a church that a great harvest is coming, and we want to be part of that. And uh, sometimes that scares us stiff, but uh, Lord, would you use us in all our weakness? So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Once again, we say, come Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill us? Would you come and equip us? Would you cause our uh, relationship with you to go deeper and stronger? Would your love overflow from us? Would your peace and your joy overflow? Would people uh, come up against us and say, I want what you've got? And when we go out to the pubs and restaurants and cafes, and people say, I want what you're drinking. So, Holy Spirit, would you overflow in us? So, I bless you. I bless you in the name of the, the Good Shepherd who loves his sheep, who leads them, who cares for them. I bless you in the name of your Heavenly Father who is completely potty about you and who has done everything, who turned heaven and earth upside down because he loves you so much. And I bless you with that love. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayer for any reason, if you've got physical pain in your body, if you've got restricted movement, if you've got trouble with finances, relationships, anything, we would love to pray for you. So grab somebody near you, or if you're not sure who to ask, just come down to the front. We'd love to pray for you. And if any of you don't know Jesus yet uh, and don't have a relationship with him, we would love to introduce you to him this morning. But formally, that's it for this morning. If you have children, if you could pick them up, please. We'd be grateful if you take them away with you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.